wearing the navy blue of Victoria. And uses his feet and goes again through mid-wicket. That's an even better shot from the Victorian captain. Swept away very nicely by Nicole Bottom for four. Oh, he's been given! That is 50. The man from Northcote. Hello everyone, welcome to the Vic State Cricket Podcast. I'm Adam White as we go into the inner sanctum of Victorian cricket. It's our first episode. I'm going to be joined by a co-host very shortly by the name of Matt Short, who plays for the Victorian cricket team. Also on the show today we'll have Soph Molyneux and also Nick Fulton talking women's cricket and a legend series. We're going to have a legend of Victorian cricket to join us later on in David Hussey to go through his career. He's also in the news because he's back in the Victorian setup. But let's get straight into it. As I said, our co-host uh, this week is Matt Short. Pete Hanscom is about to join us, but Matt, welcome. Thanks, Whitey. I'm uh, pretty keen and excited to uh, get it all started and yeah, looking forward to talking to Pete and Hust. You get, got some tough questions for the boys? Uh, I'm sure I'll come with a few, but um, yeah, we'll get the conversation rolling and uh, yeah, I'm keen to talk to Pete and see how his off-season's been. Now, how's your off-season been before we speak to Pete? Because... Uh, we're about to start the new year uh, with some one-day cup matches uh, either side of the grand final. Have you had a break? Did you go and play cricket in England over the over the winter period? You've been up in Darwin. What have you been doing? Uh, unfortunately for me, it's been um, pretty boring. None um, of the above. None of the above. Yeah, I've, um, yeah, I missed out on a couple of trips. Um, I thought about heading to England, but I think after a long, long season last year, you know, with a full big batch season in there as well and playing both formats here, I think the best thing for me was just to have a couple of months off. Um, ended up getting to Port Douglas for a week. Went over to Bali for a week as well with a couple of the, the young boys, which was good fun. But in terms of being back here, it was just normal pre-season for me. There was no no trip to Darwin with the, the Renegades or the Stars, obviously. Um, being a striker, they didn't really have a, yeah, a, right. a team up there. So, yeah, it was just hit the nets here uh, pretty early in June and get to know a couple of younger boys that, that were that were around um, in Ash Chandra Singh and um, Campbell Calloway, um, which were good to, to have on board and get to know them. So, yeah, pretty quiet for me, just um, hung here in Melbourne and, um, yeah, it was enjoyable. All right. So as I said before, this is the first episode, so we thought we'd get things going by speaking to, to both captains. So Molyneux will join us shortly. But Pete Hanscom, he's been the captain of Victorian cricket for a long time now. And, uh, well, I can ask you, how many years has it been, Pete? Welcome. I'm not sure, Waddy. Um, nah, it's, it, it seems to just keep rolling into one, especially those last sort of three years with COVID. That just feels like it It went for 10 years and it went for one year. So, no, it's just just good that this season's uh, getting underway and, and excited to see what uh, your co-host has got for us yes, as well. Yes, yeah. So I'll ask you the first question before I can Matt, uh, let Matt loose. How different does it feel that COVID's not around anymore? Or does it feel like it used to be and it's just like putting an old pair of shoes on? Um, well, no, it definitely feels different. Uh, I think we got used to sort of life in, in bubbles, um, sort of protecting ourselves and making sure that we, uh, we, we stayed safe and stayed healthy for the, for the season. Um, you know, obviously COVID's still around, so we're making sure that, that we're still doing all the right things there. But, uh, you know, at least in terms of playing cricket and, and then also being able to relax after, after games and, and after you know, a week away, we can actually go and see our friends and family, which, you know, we haven't been able to do for for a little while. Um, it's going to make the season feel uh, a lot better and a lot more fun, I think. Go for it, Matt. What have you got for him? Well, just to back up on that, um, speaking of family, you've uh, added a, a young one, young Jack, to the family. How's he going and how have you sort of changed your approach to this season? Yeah, well, uh, my pre-season's obviously been very different to yours. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we had, we had the arrival of little Jack. Uh, yeah, gee, that's a it's a... Game changer. Um, life at home is, has definitely changed. Um, my wife, Sarah, taken to motherhood unbelievably well. So she's been doing all the heavy lifting um, and I've been sitting back and, and changing the odd nappy here and there and, and basically getting the good cuddles uh, when I can. And, and then when it's time for a feed or time for a sleep, uh, Sarah jumps in and, and does an amazing job. So, no, we're, we're, we're pretty excited to have him. It was a bit um, bit of a scary start. He, he was a bit uh, premature there and we, we sort of spent a, a month in hospital. Um, but all good now. He's flying, he's putting on weight and we're starting to get uh, get a couple of smiles out of him. So it's pretty exciting stuff. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, I want to ask you, Matt, about that whole thing about COVID now not being an issue and um, probably to both of you, does it does it make it less intense because, I mean, you were talking before, Peter, about being bubbles and, and what that was like and cricket becomes such a focus. It's almost like it's cricket, 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 whereas now you can, you know, be a dad or in your case see friends and family matter a lot more. Do you think it will make it easier to play cricket? Yeah, definitely. I think um, a lot of people talk about, like, the balance that you have outside of cricket. 
and you know keeping your, your mental health in check so I've definitely found that yeah sort of post-COVID I guess um, being able to get outside and heading down the coast you know there's no great wall around the city now so um, you can actually get out and out and about and get down the coast for a surf or if you're playing golf um, heading back home to Ballarat to see the family yeah, it's definitely something that um, I think I struggled with personally during the, the couple of years of, of COVID um, sort of being stuck inside and mm. um, and I think making cricket the, the primary focus there but yeah being able to get back outside and um, doing things with with people and um, and whatnot, it's, yeah, it's been been a, a game changer. I think being able to, to get back into that. How have you found that, Pete? Just that we often talk about cricket perspective. How it makes you know, the more you play, the the better you get because you understand failure, you understand success. But it has been very different for a cricketer in recent times. Yeah, it has been. Uh, you haven't been able to have that that release or that opportunity sort of to get away from the game as much um, in the last last three years. Uh, so yeah, it's definitely felt different, but I think this year, um, you know, we'll be able to get out, we'll be able to have more fun. We can see our family and, and, and friends and, and put that perspective back into life and, and realize that cricket isn't, um, isn't the be all and end all. And we're not, we're not cricketers, you know, we're people first and foremost, we're, we're fathers, we're brothers, we're husbands and friends, uh, first. And then, and then cricket comes second, which I think ultimately helps, helps you play your cricket as well. Because uh, you go out there with a bit of freedom, and you and you sort of take that pressure off you off yourself a little bit, um, yeah. And you and you see that sometimes when people have kids, and and then they come out, and you know they've they've barely trained or they've barely slept, and uh, they they start making rounds or, or taking lots of wickets. So uh, I'm hoping little Jack has has timed that nicely with me, and <laughs> um, you know that that starts to happen as well. Fantastic. I reckon just on that too, like we we're so lucky to be able to get seasons in, and you know be able to travel. Um, you know, as much as we did in the end and play the amount of games. So credit to the people out there that, you know, that aren't professional cricketers or professional sports people, like they would have done it 10 times as, as tough as us. So yeah, I think overall we were very lucky to be able to train as much as we did, be able to play as much as we did. So yeah, I think we're very lucky in, in that space. What are we going to get this year? Uh, the Shield team just well, just missed out. You obviously got to the final. You had that amazing win late in the season just to get to the final. And then a, a younger team for, for one day cricket. Um of which you're leading both teams. What 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 do we expect this year? Uh, I think we're getting a nice balance now between uh, the the experience in the side, uh, and Matt is now becoming one of those experienced members, as you can tell with the the grey hairs on the side of his head, <laughs> um, and and that youthfulness coming through as well. Uh, you know, we we have been able to to play uh, quite a few youngsters in the last couple of years, especially in the one day competition. Um, based on the season and, and back-to-back games, you know, we've sort of prioritised shield cricket. Um, but having a look at the schedule this year, I think we, we've got more of an opportunity to play full-strength sides in both formats uh, and really, you know, push our cases for, for both, um, both trophies. Obviously, you know, we had, a, we had a really good year in the, in the shield last year and that's backed up uh, from, you know, the previous six or seven years as well where we, we keep contending for it and keep putting our hands up for that, uh, that you know, Sheffield Shield. But, yeah, that, that balance between the experience and the youth coming through, I think, is, is starting to become really, really good. Are you an experienced player, Matt, or are you still a developing player? What what bracket <laughs> do you put in? Pete just said then that you're yeah. one of the more <laughs> of, the, of the leaders now of the team because you've been around now for, what, seven or eight years at this level, maybe even a few more than that. Yeah, I think this is my ninth season involved with the Vicks. But I think you said... Am I still developing? Yeah, absolutely. I think players say they um, – it'll be interesting to see what Huss says later on, um, how long he developed for. I think they, you're always learning, you know, up until you retire, I think. So, yeah, in terms of experience, I've definitely been around for, for a while, but I'm um, still slowly building and building each year, I think, and probably haven't yet had a my breakout year that I've sort of been hoping for. But there's certainly, yeah, positive signs there. And um, I think it's just a consistency thing at, at this stage and, yeah, hopefully this year's year. But, yeah, I've always sort of seen myself as – um, in that sort of middle age bracket, especially nowadays with the, I suppose there's a core core group of um, older guys in your, um, your Hollands, um, Bolland, even Harris and and Pete as well. Oh, I thought you were going to leave me out there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, we've got a, a massive group of young blokes coming through. So I think I'm sort of sitting in the middle, the middle man there. So it's been good in a way. The young boys sort of coming to me. Um, if they're a little bit too intimidated to, to, to go up to one of the senior boys. So, yeah, I feel like I've uh, the last couple of years definitely stepped up, you know, with the leadership with the, the younger boys. 
I'm interested from a captaincy point of view, Pete. You've got all these young bowlers coming through. The batting is pretty solid and pretty stable and fairly experienced. You've got Boland, you've got Pattinson, you've got Holland, and then you've got all these young kids coming through. And Perry was obviously one of the standouts in Shield cricket last year. You've got a young spinner that goes all right too. Um, from a captaincy point of view, how hard is that to juggle or is it easy to juggle because you've got so many options? Uh, well, having options is great first and foremost where the, um, you know, they're, they're, they're pushing each other. Which is which is the great thing, you know. When you got such a young group, they uh, constantly coming in for extra hits, extra trainings. Um, you know, making sure that they can get better and better each day, uh, which is awesome. And um, but then, yeah, with that enthusiasm comes a little bit of inexperience, and uh, in certain situations, sort of how to how to play the game, and sort of especially in one day cricket, I think there are little nuances that. Um, you can only learn by playing games and, and getting them under your belt. So the more we can keep blooding these these young players uh, during the season, um, the better that will be for for future future years with us and, and potentially getting a, a nice little dynasty as well going again with with these young players. Do you sense, Matt, that Pete, um, from a captaincy point of view, is never scared to give the ball to the young guys in high pressure situations like? We've seen Perry stand up at really important times, Murphy particularly late in the year. Yep. Um, do you feel that when you're you're at first slip, Pete's at second slip, that that the I guess the trust he's got in the the entire group? Yeah, absolutely. Um and I think everyone trusts everyone. They're um even the young bowlers with they're almost putting their hand up to to get the ball in those high pressure um, you know, scenarios. So um I suppose that probably makes Pete's job a bit easier when the guys actually want the ball rather than sort of been sitting on the fence and say, mm-hmm. oh, no, nah, give it to Duck or give it to Baz. Like, yeah, it's good to see the young boys coming through actually wanting the, wanting the ball and wanting to, you know, do well in those high-pressure situations. I well, think yeah, a great um, showcase of that was actually the Shield final that we played last year. And, you know, although the, re- the result didn't go away, um, guys like Sutherland and, and Perry just kept coming and coming all day with the ball, which was, which was awesome from such – Young players playing in their first Shield final, first big game, like to to keep charging in right until right to the end. Uh, you know, it was great, and it shows, you know, what we're what we're trying to build here, um, the type of cricket that we want to we want to play. Um, you know, sort of winning from any position and never never really being out of the game. Oh, this is for both of you. What that thing about what you're trying to build and what you stand for is that something that that's led by you as captain, Chris as coach, or is it? what Victorian cricket stands for. And it's, it's sort of come through the generations of good, hard, sustainable cricket. Interesting that whole where culture comes from with this particular team it's um, both to both of you. Yeah, well, I, for me it's always been player-led um, the, in the teams that I've played for. And I think uh, you, you can see that in the three years where we went back to back to back uh, in the Shield, we had a different coach each year, but the playing group, were still solid enough that we were able to, to you know, call each other out, but also pat each other on the back when they did the right thing. And and when those situations came to learn and get better, we were we were teaching each other and, and helping each other as a as a group. Obviously, the coach is there to facilitate and help and and you know get us better as well. But um, you know, I, I was leaning on Chris Rogers, David Hussey, Rob Quiney, John Hastings, Cam White. Matthew Wade when I was growing up um, and to have that knowledge be passed down is huge. So now that's that's something I'm trying to do to young players and I'm sure something that, that Matt's trying to do now as well. Yeah, just going off that, I think this year was, I think, particularly important because some of the, the senior players now, like your Bollins and Pattinsons, um, even Duck to an extent who's had a child as well, um, they were all away for probably the first two, three months of this preseason. So it was purely just the young boys around. Um, so it was sort of hard for them to, um, I suppose, learn off those older guys in those few months. Yeah. So I remember having a good couple of sessions of like a sort of culture building sessions of, um, we call it the coffee club. So we get in groups of three or four and it might take an hour. We might go for a walk around the lake or grab a coffee and purely led by, or mainly led by um, John Merlo and Will Bukowski off a, a podcast around, I think Maxi Gorn did a podcast around the culture of, of the D's and how how they sort of speak to each other in a professional way. And I think we tried to bring that into into our our sort of culture and just speak to each other nicely and or nicer. Mm-hmm. Um, 
just that whole respect and um, getting to know each other better. So this coffee club was get to know each other better. We'd have a sheet of questions like that could be as simple as, you know, if you hit someone in the car, would you go up to them and leave a note or would you drive off like this stuff like that? Like, <laughs> You'd definitely drive off, wouldn't you? I would. No, what, what did I say? Oh, I'd, you've paused. <laughs> <laughs> if I didn't have a paper and pen, I'd wait yep. for them to come back. Um, so I'd do, definitely do the good thing. Yeah, okay. Um, but yeah, you're purely... almost not playing the first game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it was Pete's car, yeah, I'd like, hang on my car now. Driver. I know who it is. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was really good to get all the young boys involved in that sort of culture setting thing while the older guys went around. But then once they did come back, it was it was even better for them to actually you know tell them what we've been doing and getting them involved. Um, we weren't necessarily trying to change the culture; it was more just teaching those younger boys, you know, what what we're about and. I think it's it's been really good so far this year. Now, before we let Pete go, I want to talk to you about playing for Australia again. Now, there's an Indian tour next year. Yep. Um, now, we all always – the default position is, well, Pete Hanscom's good against spin, so he's a chance to play these subcontinental tours. I don't know whether that annoys you or it, that's sent as a compliment. Can you get back in there? Is that still something that drives you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I'm 31 now, so, you know, Mike Hussey debuted at 31 and, and had a pretty good test career, so – uh, and even Chris Rogers played, started playing again at, at, at 35, um, played for a couple of years. So it's definitely not, uh, not out of the realms to, to play again. Something that I'm, I'm pushing for, that's for sure. I'm, I'm still talking to, you know, George Bailey and, and getting a feel for what I need to do, but ultimately it's make runs. Um, it but always you've done is. that the last two years. You've made yeah. a lot of runs. Yeah, yeah, and feeling good. But it, it also, you also need a position to, to come up in the team as well. And when, when the test team is as strong as it is and, and performing quite well, well, it doesn't matter how many runs you score, they, they stay mm. in and, and they keep performing. So, yeah, I'm, my aim is, is still to be on that test tour to India, uh, even if it's just as a, as a backup somehow, just, just get in there. Um, you know, I do like playing against spin, but I also play in Australia for, for most of my career, and which is mainly against quicks. So... I like to think I can still play the fastball. So, so does that annoy you that it's always seen as, oh, he's um, going to get spin? Or I mean, it's, it is a compliment. Yeah. Um, and if it does help me get on subcontinent tours, which uh, it has done before, then, then yeah, then that, that's great. But also uh, don't forget I do like batting in Australia as well where it is fast and bouncy and, um, yeah, I can play a few cuts and, and pulls if need be. All right, your turn. All right, wait. I've got a couple. <laughs> so first one. It's just on golf. I'll be light on this one. So how's a golf game? I know you got the bug and you want a member out at Growling Frog, which is what just south of New South Wales there. <laughs> Beautiful <laughs> course, so by the way, for those the listening. Uh, how's it going? Official handicap, 8.7. Um, not too bad, but, yeah, it's a bit dodgy. When the big stick's not on, jeez, um, it's It it's is a trouble. long course. It's a long course. It's a long walk, but it's beautiful, especially when that sunset starts coming through. A <laughs> couple of beers on the back nine, mate. It's all right. <laughs> um, and another one, just on your driving skills. So how many cars have you been through <laughs> in the last three or four years? <laughs> have I driven or have I crashed? <laughs> well, both. Because you have written oh, off all the time. <laughs> no, 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 no. So Shorty always sits in the passenger seat when I'm driving right. um, on away, yeah. away tours. Um, and obviously whoever gets in the passenger seats, the navigator right. always has to be the navigator. He always just will be coming up to a road, it'll be like 50 metres to turn, I'm flying at 80 and I'll be like, gosh, turn left, uh, turn left here. Um, so he puts me under the pump a bit. But, yeah, I've, I've had the odd prang, maybe two, <laughs> two or three prangs, but never my fault. It, always someone coming into the, into the back of me rather than me going oh. into the back of them. <laughs> I've heard it all, Whitey. Two or three means five or six, doesn't it? That's yeah, bit of tax, yeah. <laughs> Good luck for the season. Um, we're all looking forward to seeing you back out there playing Victorian colours. Um, hopefully, it starts well and we'll see what happens from there. Beauty, thanks, boys. And Pete Hanscom joining us on the first edition of the Vic State Cricket Podcast. We're going to go and talk to the women next, the captain and the vice captain of the Victorian team. And welcome back to the Vic State Cricket Podcast. Now, I'm not really sure which way to look here because I've got both the captain and the vice-captain of the Victorian women's team with us. We've got Nick Fulton, the vice-captain, and the captain, Soph Molyneux, who has been 
over in the UK playing in the hundreds. Uh, so officially welcome to the Vic State Cricket Podcast. Now, the first question I've got for you is how's the body? Because it's been a tough sort of 12 months for you. You've, you've just come back from England. Um, it's almost like getting ready for this summer of cricket. How are, how are you all going? Yeah, really good, thanks. Um, obviously I had that period of time off um, and, yeah, trying to get my body right and everything. But, um, yeah, it was great to get back into it and play some cricket out in um, in the UK. And, and the 100 was a, a great comp to, to be able to start off with. It was pretty pretty intense so it was a good little warm-up to our um, Australian summer which I'm just super pumped to be back playing in. Absolutely was it a a tough last 12 months obviously an Australian player missing out at such an important time for Australian cricket with World Cups and Com Games back playing cricket again have you got a different perspective of cricket um, you got something to prove what's going through your mind more than how your body is at the moment? Uh, yeah, obviously missed a, a lot of um, sort of key events and, and tournaments and everything and, and watched a lot of that from the sidelines. But um, I suppose, what does it do? It so probably just makes you a little bit hungrier to um, get yourself right and, and stay out in the park more than anything. And um, yeah, I feel like there is nothing to prove. It's just more to go out there and just have a bit of fun and enjoy while you're, you're out there doing it because um you know, that's how the sport rolls. You know, you get injured and you have periods of time like that where you, you have to stop and um, it probably makes you appreciate those times when um, you don't even think about your body and you're just playing cricket. Um, so to be able to get back to a place like that, that, that was the main goal and, um, yeah, sort of sort of there now. So it's now it's just time to, to go out there and do it with a smile on my face with um, a group of girls that are um, super pumped and ready to, to play a bit of cricket. All systems go. I mentioned I've got someone else here. Nick Fulton, who uh, was the captain of Victoria last year. She's still part of the leadership group and she started the pre-season extremely strongly. Nick, uh, thank you for being part of it all. Thanks for having me. What's it like now you're not captain? Um, well, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting thing. Um, I'm Soph's vice-captain, which is really cool. Uh, to be able to – well, Meg was captain last year um, and then obviously with her uh, Australian commitments, um, I stepped in and captained the girls for that period of time. Yeah, I learned so much during that period. Um, yeah, and was and really grateful to be able to do that. Uh, and whilst Sos back, yeah, I love just standing behind her and learning off her. And and if she, yeah, if she's not here for um, reasons with other commitments, then yeah, I'm happy to step in and, and take the lead from there. But we've done a power of work throughout the preseason together, and um, yeah, Sos been amazing throughout this process. It's almost an embarrassment embarrassment of riches to have two leaders in the team. There's probably more really when you look at the the depth of Victorian cricket. What did you learn most? about the game as captain, because it's a, it's a whole different set of circumstances when you're leading out on the field. Um, what did you learn that perhaps you didn't know about the game? Uh, lots to start off with. Um, yeah, you've got to look at it through a different lens, I guess, when you're captain and you kind of have to step out of your own shoes and um, being a wicketkeeper and a batter, um, I had to step into the bowler's shoes a whole lot more. Uh, you do that a little bit as a batter, but I guess... Uh, usually keeping, I'm literally just thinking about setting up and watching the ball. And yes, I'm thinking about the delivery that the ball is going to bowl. But um, yeah, I guess I had to step into a bowler's shoes and, and sort of think think the way that they would and the fields that they'd like. So I think that was probably a little bit of a change that um, I hadn't thought about a lot in the past. Um, so yeah, that, that was probably the main thing. And then just literally learning the game and thinking about it probably not so much on a surface level and just thinking about it a little bit deeper. Now you've got Soph sitting right opposite you here. So I hope this isn't too embarrassing to ask, but what's Soph like as a leader? Uh, oh, you can't really put it into words, to be honest. She's an incredible leader. She'll hate me. Um, I can say shake. She's, she's looking at me shaking her head. She's going to hate every moment of this. Um, but so, Soph's incredible, has such an amazing cricket brain, but not only a cricket brain, um, a leader off the field. You know, she does everything. You know, it sounds a little bit cliche, but she does everything by the book. She trains so hard and... Um, yeah, she looks at her game so deeply and I, I love watching Soph train and play, but the way that she approaches things and, um, yeah, talks to players off the field and that kind of stuff, she's she's a complete captain and, um, yeah, someone that I'm so, so grateful to kind of stand behind and watch and be able to learn off and also play alongside. All right, so if you can now go back the other way, um, what have you seen over the last 12 months from Nick that's seen her not just become a better cricketer but a better leader and now have the confidence that you will have as her vice cap or as vice captain? Yeah. Um, thanks, Fulty. <laughs> this is a bit beautiful here. It's so um, special, isn't it? But yeah, I, look, I've known Fulty for a long, long time and um, both being Gippsland girls um, and growing up together, I think, yeah, I'm just like super proud of the, the journey she's been on over the last little bit and um, 
yeah, I think she sort of got thrown into that role. Um, is still super young um, mm. in terms of like experience and everything. She she's made some big scores for Victoria and um, and stuff like that. So she's she's super capable um, on the field. But then, yeah, sort of thrown into it last year. Um, she just exceeded every expectation and her willingness to to learn and um, about the game itself. I think is a, a true testament to her and her ability to, to be able to connect with, with everyone in the team on on different levels um, off the field as well. I think that's probably the more important stuff and she's done a, um, yeah, a, a load of work with the girls over these last you know, three or four months just to, um, yeah, sort of create a real sort of purpose and direction with the group and it's the little things like that. Um, yeah, not everyone has the ability to be able to do that and connect with everyone, but Fulty definitely does and um, definitely is a bit of a, a rock to this team. So you're in this unique situation where you can play some games in the navy blue um, at the very start of the season before you all sort of go your separate ways with the WBBL. What are you trying to get out of the, the start of the season and what have you seen so far during the preseason? Yeah, hopefully um, we just want to keep getting better as a group. Um Obviously, over the last like little little bit, we haven't been as successful as what we'd previously been, and it was probably just a bit different. Um, and it was really great we were able to like sit down and stop and as a, a playing group a little bit and actually just work out what we really want and where we want to take it together. And I think everyone was on the same page. We're we're really hungry to just to keep getting better, to keep learning. Um, and yeah, there's no better way of going out there and playing four rounds of WNCL together before Big Bash. And um, on a, in an ideal world, it'd be nice to get away with four wins and um, sit pretty at the top of the ladder before Big Bash. But, um, yeah, it's not how cricket always goes as well. But I think we're, we're really, really clear on, um, on what we want in our, our direction and how we want to play brand cricket, which is um, for a young team that's – I think that's probably one of the more important things to, to nail down. So, um, yeah, you couldn't ask for any more of the girls and their efforts over the last three or four months. They've been incredible and um, I think have really matured as a group really quickly. So I'm just pumped to see them play a bit of cricket now. Now, Nick, you did very well up at Coffs Harbour yourself personally. Um, what what do you expect from the season? Not not from yourself but from the team. What, what What's possible in 22-23? Well, so I've set the nail on the head there. Um, yeah, obviously those four, first four games, we want to go out um, and be as competitive as we can and hopefully come away with four wins. Um, yeah, we're, uh, like so said, we're so clear on the direction that we want to go. And, uh, I mean, if you ask any sort of cricket team what's what's the thing that you want and ultimately it's to win, um, and that's no different for us, our group going forward. We want to take away the WNCL final and we don't really want to shy away from that because it's something that we want to be able to speak about and talk about because that is our goal. Um, so, yeah, hope that's that's obviously the, the big outcome at the very end is we'd, we'd like to win the WNCL. Um, but we've got, yeah, some really good processes in place throughout um, with, that we've done in the pre-season and going forward, things that we really want to measure ourselves off. And we feel really clear on, you know, what individuals need to do, but both both individual and as a collective um, and how we're going to be able to do that rather than just saying that that's what we're going to do. I think we've got some really clear things in place to hopefully get us there. For both of you, can you nominate a player that you think will really rise during the course of this year? And that, that includes the WBBL because we've obviously got uh, the Stars and the Renegades, but just across the season that perhaps someone we might not know a lot about at the moment that might rise or someone that uh, you think can go to the very next level and potentially be in the, in the green and gold at some point this summer. Go with you first. You're the captain. Uh, yeah, there's a couple that come to mind. I think the one that that sticks out. She's sort of been around for a little bit now, but Tessie Flintoff. Um, she come in day one of off season. This is off season, not even pre season. Yeah. Um, and Georgia and I are in there doing rehab and with John Owes and C. And Tessie walks in and we're like, Tessie, what are you doing, mate? Like, <laughs> go to Bali or something. <laughs> and um, she goes, No, nah, I just want to get big. And she has put in an enormous amount of work just to, to get her body to a, a spot where it's in now. She's full of confidence. She's running in hard. She's a quick bowler. She's so athletic, has been forever, but now she's just really strong. And, um, yeah, I, I think now that is the easy part for her, and that's just to go out there and play a bit of cricket, um, mm. which is really natural that too. So, um, yeah, Tessie's, Tessie's one of, of many that I'm really looking forward to just, yeah, seeing her play cricket. All right. What do you reckon, Nick? Um, yeah, great question. A, a fair few in our team. Um, someone we've probably seen feature in the green and gold before, but I think Annabelle Sutherland. Yep. Um, yeah, she's so hungry and I guess um, we'll have some real good opportunity in the top order 
um, from the Vicks. So hopefully, yeah, she'll go really well and then can hopefully get sort of a, um, a pretty consistent place in the green and gold. Um, and some of our younger player who's still under 19s, Reese McKenna. Uh, she goes by the Duke. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she'll be really good this preseason. You know, she's still at school, so she's had a little bit of a um, an interesting preseason with juggling school and um, training and whatnot. But I think, yeah, once she gets fit and she gets ready, I think she'll be great. She runs in and, um, yeah, really wants to bowl the ball quite hard and is a really handy, handy batter in the um, middle and lower order as well. Playing in the 100, what was it like? Because it, it seems, I mean, we're on the other side of the world, but you see great crowds, um, particularly for women's cricket, crowds you may have never seen before. What was that whole experience like? Yeah, it was um, pretty incredible. Um, yeah, just to go over there, I felt pretty lucky to be able to go over there and play in a comp like that and, and being an international alongside Soph Devine and Elise Perry. Um, Not yeah, bad list. it wasn't a bad list. We unfortunately missed finals, but. Um, Anyway, we could move on from that. But, um, yeah, no, the, the crowds and, and playing alongside the men and um, it was just a super comp in the, in the format. Um, it's I thought T20 was quick but this is quicker. Um, it was actually really enjoyable to play and, and to learn and, um, yeah, took a, a lot away from it. Got Speaking a, of the format, Soph, like did you change anything in your game? Like obviously with the five balls or not knowing at the start of the over set whether you're going to bowl five balls or ten, did you like – change sort of how you would set it up or do, like anything in your game? Uh, yeah, I think not too much changes from a playing perspective. Captain's perspective is a bit spicy because then you can you do the back-to-back fives and stuff like that where there's a bit more tactics to it. But um, I think even just as a bowler, a shorter set, so five balls instead of six, you sort of start closing out after two or three, which um, – yeah, which is actually pretty pretty handy to, to have a mindset like that too in, in a shorter format cricket. But I don't think a whole heap changes as a player, but I think as a captain, um, like Soph Devine come over and put a message in the WhatsApp group at the start of the, the um, season saying, guys, I have not watched or played a game of this. <laughs> Let me know what the rules are first <laughs> and um, we'll try and come up with some tactics. So um, it's just a, a really new sort of concept that I think everyone's trying to – you know, find what works tactically and, and everything. Interesting. All right, thank you for coming in, both of you. Um, it's great to have both the vice-captain and the captain of the Victorian team here and hopefully we'll have you part of this program throughout the course of the summer. Yeah. You know what my other question was? Oh, you go on, off yeah. you go. He's like, are you going to change your bling? Your bling. earring? I've noticed you got new earrings yeah, in. Bling. Yeah, bling. they're new, aren't they? Yeah, they're from yeah. Uh, the UK. I yeah, have a bit of, they're very um, pretty. Bit of power Do you think you're going to play play in those ones? I think I might play in something a little bit bigger. Um, you reckon? Yeah, maybe a bit, bit louder. I'm not too sure. Mm. Yeah. Okay, um, interesting. Mm. Especially earrings for the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Earring pod. For um, yeah, radio podcast. Exactly. <laughs> All right, good luck. Uh, obviously, um, it starts big with four matches straight away before you split off. Um, hopefully, you get those four wins you, t- you spoke about. Thanks, Thanks so much for having us. us. Nick Feltham and also Soph Molyneux. After this, we're going to get in some Victorian royalty. David Hussey will be on the program. Now, Matt, when I talk of Dave Hussey, one of Victoria's best batsmen of the last 25 years, what do you think of? That's a very good question. Well, I'm going to go back to when I first started with the Vicks. I think Huss or and Bobby Quiney were the first two that come up to me and sort of made me feel as welcome as I, as I could in that, in that squad. Um, I remember we were in the indoors at the MCG and... Um, it was one of my first training sessions coming up from Ballarat, a little country boy, and intimidated as all, all hells. Um, I look around the change room and there's blokes playing for Australia left, right and centre at the time. You know, your Wades, Hastings, Mackay, Siddle, Pattinson. Oh, I could keep naming them, you know, Huss, Bobby. Um, it was pretty ridiculous. Yeah, Huss and, and Bobby were definitely the first two that come up and sort of got around you, which made you feel a little bit, um, you know, a bit better and... Um, yeah, just that sort of calming nature that those two had was was very good early on. I put you under pressure by asking that question because Dave Hussey is sitting right opposite you. <laughs> Welcome. It's good Adam? to be part of this discussion. Yeah, very good. Thanks for that, Matt. I actually remember you coming into the dressing room. Uh, yeah, the indoor centre was yeah quite nice. I was very much old though and finished <laughs> and on the way downward uh, slope, but Matt was this fresh-faced, uh, very talented young boy and yeah, I'm very happy to see him achieve everything he's achieving today. 
Now, we wanted to get you on as our first guest. There's a number mm. of things we need to talk to you about. But the first question I want to ask you is someone that was a Western Australian to come over and play for Victoria. What does Victorian cricket mean to you? Well, firstly, was a West Australian, now a Melbourneian. I spent more of my adult life in Melbourne and very happy to be here as well. What does Victorian cricket mean to me? It's a really tough question to answer. The stock standard answer is everything, but I look back at that time to actually make the move in 2001 over to Melbourne. It was tough, it was daunting, it was uh, difficult, um, but the way I look back on it, it's arguably the best professional decision I've ever uh, made. Um, getting out of my comfort zone at home, uh, back in Perth, Western Australia on the beach where my mum did everything for me, it was quite a nice life, to actually having a goal and planning out and uh, achieving that goal of playing first-class cricket was uh, yeah best cricket decision, best professional decision I've ever met, ever made. Why did you do it? Was it, was it <coughs> exactly for all the reasons you said or was, there about, was it about opportunity? Was it um, playing cricket away from your brother? Obviously your brother was, was such a famous cricketer, not so much when you first came to Victoria. What were the reasons around it and what promises were made? No promises were made. Um, I was very fortunate enough to get a phone call from Ian Crawford, the president of Pram Cricket Club back then, and he asked me over to play and I didn't think much of it. Uh, I was very happy with my life. I lived on the beach, was at uni. I think I was in my ninth year of a four-year degree at that stage. Um, <laughs> took me 22 years to graduate, but I uh, finally got there. Um, the, I guess the carrot to dangle... Um, the goal of always to play first class cricket was always there, but I didn't deep down. I probably didn't really want to play it. Um, I was very happy with my comfortable life, had a nice girlfriend, uh, family was very supportive, and yeah, I just thought I'd probably grow up playing uh, club cricket in Perth. And uh, oh, what could have been, you know, one of those players, oh, I could have played uh, first class cricket. But then, when an opportunity arises to move over, um, get out of your comfort zone, get on, stand on your own two feet, get a proper job, actually sort of work for something, uh, it's sort of quite enticing and uh, something you didn't want to pass up. And, uh, yeah, again, very, very thankful that Ian Crawford happened to make that call, albeit at 2 o'clock in the morning. So uh, I'm not sure he really understands uh, time difference <laughs> in daylight saving times. But, um, yeah, very happy I took the call and, um, yeah, made the move. So once you got over Huss... Um I guess how quick did it take you to get into the Victorian system? Um, you said you uh, went to Paran when you moved over, but um, what was that sort of time frame like to get into the Victorian squad? Yeah, so I had 18 months of playing uh, Premier Cricket, which I loved and needed. Uh, I was awful the first year. I played a lot of second 11 cricket for Victoria um, and did okay. Was just like the uh, an average player. Did poorly for Paran and it probably, if I'm brutally honest, probably wanted to move back home after the first year, so... And then my father said, you're not coming home, your room's taken, uh, I've put all, yeah, cleaned out all the stuff uh, in your room and it's all over your bed, so you're not coming home. So I did a full pre-season, winter, by myself, um, got to the gym, caught the training to work every day, then at night had skill sessions with my then roommate Neil Schlittler and, and Brad Neiman. Um, and then that year uh, I started doing well for Paran and um, I think it was really late on in the year, a couple of boys missed... Um, an early morning swim session that David Hooks uh, <laughs> called on and yeah, I was lucky enough to get uh, selected and, um, yeah, the rest is history. Very good. I think um, going back to the move from WA, um, our head coach uh, did something similar, I guess, later on in his career. Um, do you have any sort of memories, uh, you know, growing up with Buck or back in the junior days or um, did you come across him in WA at all? Um, and then how did you sort of see his transition to Victoria? So Chris and I have known each other since probably under 15 days. Um, he nice. was a very talented um, leg spin bowler, leg spin bowler batter, uh, and I bowled off spin who batted a little bit low down, a bit cowboyish. Uh, truth be told, we both played 17s for WA. He batted number 10 for um, Western Australia, bowling leg spin. He was the first choice spinner. And I was the pretty much the 13th man in the 13-man squad as the off spinner and batted Pretty much 11. I was terrible. So, And then the year after, we played under-19s together and he was the opening batter and I think I batted four or five at that stage. So it's amazing how things uh, quickly turn around. But what I remember of Chris, he knew his game inside and out. His dad was his personal batting coach. Um, he worked terribly hard on to get better. But his defensive game was just set him out from everybody else. He, he knew 
to stop the ball from getting him out, allowed him to bat for a long period of time. And yeah, if, when he had the opportunity to move over to Melbourne a, a few years later than that, um, he was actually, truth be told, he was going to go to Queensland and we were going to England together. Uh, he was going to play, I think, for Northampton or Leicester at the time and I was playing for Knotts and uh, rang him to say, I'll catch up with you over there. And um, oh, by the way, what are you doing with your domestic stuff? And he said, oh, I'm going to sign with Queensland probably today or tomorrow. I said, maybe you should move to Melbourne. No, 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 no. And we had the same manager at the time. And so I rang him up um, and then he sort of convinced uh, Chris to maybe think about moving to Melbourne and playing at the MCG. And I was wrapped that he actually made the move and uh, started playing with us because he's one hell of a player and uh, one hell of a record. I'd never tell him that to his face. but uh, and I was just, We hear it enough. Yeah, we do hear it enough. I think he's got 70-odd stories that all revolve around him making hundreds. So. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, him to play Test cricket, uh, it was... Um, and fulfil his goal or achieve his goals, it's uh, yeah, it's quite a nice story. It is amazing to think, as you said, you played representative underage cricket for Western Australia and then you put on 200 together in a Shield final. <laughs> yeah. um, that, that must be a, a real memory that st- that stands out, that kids, kids really, at, when you first met each other, to be doing that in such a high-pressure environment, environment of a Sheffield Shield final. And don't forget where we came from too. He was from the really rich affluent suburb of Mount Pleasant. <laughs> I was from uh, the northern suburbs of Mullaloo. So, uh, yeah, rich uh, A-lister celebrity bloke over there, ugly, um, whereas <laughs> me, a little beach boy who had to work hard uh, for everything he got. But that Shield final, that's actually one of my um, favourite memories of cricket actually, Whitey, because I think we were two for about 20, ball was seeming around a bit and... Uh, I remember walking out to bat and um, I tripped down the stairs at the junction and I'm saying to myself, well, this doesn't bode well, does it? And then I crossed the white line and did my pre-match routine, which was a bit embarrassing. And I kept saying to myself, well, that's the worst thing that's going to happen to you today. You fall down the stairs in front of uh, everybody else. So I put that to one side and fortunately enough, uh, yeah, Chris and I put on a fair few runs. But I still think Chris cost us. We would have put on 400 because he got out before me. So... <laughs> So I want to ask you this question because I, I asked Matt before, how would you describe Dave Hussey? How would you describe yourself as a batsman? And you know that because you, oh. you you don't like talking yourself up. No. But I want you to be honest with this answer. How would you describe yourself as a batsman? Do you mean like a technical player? Do you mean a team player? Just, just more, more your batting craft than, but, than your team player because that, that speaks for itself. Okay. Uh... I hate talking about me and my batting, so... Um, I know you do. That's it actually I makes asked. me feel really uncomfortable, actually, Whitey. I'm sweaty now. So um, how would I do... In, say, four-day cricket, I love playing four-day cricket because the bowler had to get you out. So I always found four-day cricket really strategic. Um, it was... You earned the right to... So you get the quicks off and you earned the right to face the spin, but then also you earned the right to keep the spin on. So that was more tactical. Like you'd hit them for a couple of ones or an odd boundary, but just keep them on. So then they'd have to rotate the quicks around the top. Full well known they're not going to get you out, if that makes sense. But then with the quicks, I always knew I had my four, five good shots that I could always rely on, even with them out of form or out of run scoring ability, that I could always get through. But I think my saviour, when everything was going wrong, my saviour was my back foot defence. I don't think anyone was going to get through my back foot defence. So... As a player, I sort of knew what I could and couldn't do um, in four-day cricket, which I loved. One-day cricket was a bit more uh, probably selfish at times, um, trying to take the game on probably a bit too early at times and thinking I should take a, a spinner down, say, four or five times and over rather than actually playing the, the, the team game of scoring 300 in the day rather than trying to get 500. So, Fascinating insights. I want to ask both of you this question about self-doubt because – having spoken a fair bit to your brother, Mike, and to yourself, it comes across that you had a lot of self-doubt going out to bat, the fear of failure maybe, I'm not sure. But it almost drove you. And so I'm interested for both of you, playing in a high-pressure environment of professional cricket, how you cope with that? You go first. Uh, I definitely struggled with it early. Um, My first sort of couple of years playing for Victoria, I think um, if you have a rough, you know, three, four games, you start to really doubt yourself, you're like, should I be in the side? Um, I'm not helping anyone here. Um, you start to think about all the negatives that's going to happen. Um, but I think definitely over the last couple of years, it's like, hang on, I'm here for a reason. Like, I'm actually good at cricket. I can, I can play the game. Um, and you start to think about the things that can do, like that can go well, um, and the things that you do well. Uh, but rather than thinking about the wicket or the ball, 
at the bowlers, um, the conditions, whatever, you sort of, as you get a bit older and play more games, more experience, I think you start to block all those things out and start to focus on the, the things that you actually need to worry about. Um, so, yeah, definitely over the last couple of years getting uh, better at that and actually believing that I do belong, you know, at this level. Mike would often talk, Dave, about short singles, quick singles, almost suicide singles early in his innings to try and run the nervousness out yeah. uh, of, of his system. What, what was it like for you? Uh, early on it was more I didn't want to fail because then if cricket didn't work out I'd have to go work. So that was probably the thought process in the back, background. And then if I didn't want to work I'd have to move back, back home to Perth and ask my parents, can I move back into home? So that was a huge carrot. I'm going to make this work. So determination was um, yeah pretty strong. Um, watching people play, I was really calm and and easy because I always learned uh, sort of a pre-innings routine. Stretch, um, get a little bit tired, close your eyes, it's fine. Um, whatever happens, watch the TV, what's happening. So always try and get the answers before the test, so to speak. Um, I was always pretty calm. But then getting out in the field was more... I just want to get off the mark. I don't want to get a pair. That was you're more thinking of the negative. I don't want to get a double duck sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, maybe a quick single or try and get as many runs as quickly as possible before they get you out um, at times. Uh, but going back to Mike, he was he was manic. Like you walk out to bat and he's beyond 15, 20 not out. And I was, hey, what's going on out here? And Mike would reply, oh, you can't get a run out here. They're bowling so well. Um, the pitch is a nightmare. And I'm like, mate, average 50. You're going okay. He said, mate, I can't get a run. And then we saw, I said, what are you going to do? He goes, I'm just going to run hard. And yeah, okay, no worries. And then once he starts running hard, he's got very long limbs. So he, he generally runs all the nervous energy out. And then once he's in, you just can't get him out. So he's pretty cool and calm at the crease once he's in. But yeah, insecurities is with everybody, but that's part and parcel of life. Matt talked about the legends when he walked into the change rooms yep. and some of the <coughs> names Matt you just mentioned before. I mean, they're, they're synonymous with Victorian cricket. Uh, you've played with some amazing players yourself of Victorian cricket. Who, who are some of the ones that stand out that you got the, the opportunity to play with? So the two best batters are Hodge and Elliot. Um, Elliot was this cool, classy um, opening batsman who just seemed to have so much time. Like Brett Lee was bowling to him at the MCG, I remember this, and he was walking out to bat and his young son, Zach, at the time said, Dad, make sure you take out your super smasher to him. And if that was me ready to go out to bat, that'd probably finish me because I'd be focused on that rather than, and Matt, yeah, no worries, mate. Yeah, no worries, Zach, I've got it. And the way he played that day, he got 100 and whatever, 120. And just the way he drove the ball, pulled the ball, um, he was just sublime, just had so much time. Every time he played the ball, he had so much time and what a, what a talent. And then Hodge, Hodge probably taught me the most about batting. Um, he was always very good to me. He always took the pressure off me whenever something happened. Uh, mate, you're struggling with a bowl here. I'll take that bowler for a bit. He was an exceptional team player to bat with. Uh, he always yeah, got you off strike whenever, you, whenever he thought the momentum was changing. Um, however, in saying that, whenever he uh, found a wounded seagull and there was runs to be had, Hodge was going to face that wounded seagull and, and take him down. So he was just a, a phenomenal player and yeah, phenomenal team man to me. Very good. Yeah, I had a question um, sort of on your coaching career. Um, <laughs> coming to the end of your playing career, did you, were you always going to transition to coaching or were there other opportunities you, you were thinking of or how did that sort of pan out? No, I wasn't going to go into coaching. Um, how it all panned out is uh, I was going to be cut off contract but Greg Shippard, who's a very good friend, he was the coach and he said, no, no, how about you come on contract but don't sign and you get upgraded. The rules are if you play a certain amount of games, uh, you get upgraded. So I wasn't signed up, uh, got promised games in the one days and then got upgraded but I was going to work as a uh, batting coach, second 11 coach sort of thing and I actually loved it. I loved the coaching more than the playing at that stage. So, you know, when that – the writing's on the wall there when you actually preferred doing the coaching rather than the batting. Um, that was the writing on the wall. So um, I thought I'd probably, yeah, go down that pathway, which I really enjoyed coaching the twos. I know we weren't that successful, but I saw the growth in players like yourself, Sam Harper, Sammy Grimwade, um, Tommy, Toddy O'Donnell. Uh, it was, yeah, it was good to see these players grow up and um, in, front, in front of your eyes and then, yeah, hopefully represent playing, uh, represent their countries or, or Victoria as well. It's... Uh, yeah, it's quite exciting. And then men's cricket, you're head of men's cricket now. This yeah. is a, a new thing. Um, take us through that decision to, to put yourself up for that role and 
And what are you going to do with that role? Well, the decision was tough, uh, Whitey, if I'm honest. Um, I've got two young kids at home, nine and 11, and I work, I was working in the IPL and, and coaching the Melbourne Stars. And uh, unfortunately, that takes you away from home a lot of the time. So, And every time you, you leave, it's quite challenging. Uh, probably not a dry eye in the uh, in the household when I leave, but um, it's something that I love. I love uh, coaching people like coaching or helping people achieve their goals of um, playing at the highest possible level, whether it's club cricket, state cricket or international cricket. That, that's It's my porn, I guess you could say, um, was something I really enjoy. Uh, so sitting down with my wife, Christy, to say, what do you think? Would this actually suit us? And um, she said, well, the happiest I've ever been um, and the kids have ever been is when you actually got a nine-to-five job um, a couple of years ago. And that actually hurt. So it was sort of like, oh, maybe I should apply. So applied for this role. Um, the interview process was long, daunting, um, but I was really prepared. And I think what shone through is that I'm really passionate about Victorian cricket. Um, we are very successful, but what we aren't as successful at is having um, regular test players playing for Australia. And I, as a cricket fan growing up, I wanted to see my idols playing um, international test cricket at the Wacker Ground back in the day, which were Rod Marsh, Dennis Lilly, and I'd like our young Victorian players to play test cricket at Boxing Day. Um, so then the future generation Victorian players can actually see them play and idolise them and hopefully one day grow up and, and play cricket for Australia too. You got any last questions, Matt, for, for Huss before we let him go? Yeah, just one thing. What do you see as the backbone of a successful team off the field? What an excellent question. So <clears throat> my philosophy on support staff is they've got to be cool, calm and collected, right? But they also have, a, have to have a working relationship with the leaders of the, uh, the team. The leaders drive the team. So I look at the Geelong Footy Club. They've got leaders nonstop throughout, the, throughout their whole list and that drags the training standards forward and that they work, the leaders work with the support staff in order to get the best results. So I believe that support staff and the leaders have to work in conjunction with each other to get the best results. It's pretty simple, but if you have an open working relationship and disagreements are fine, you're always allowed to have disagreements. As long as there's no emotion, um, you'll generally get the best results. Thank you very much for, for coming in. I uh, really appreciate it. Good luck with the new role and uh, you'll be still coaching the Stars a little bit later on in the year as well for one last time. Um, but hopefully by the end of this summer we've got a, a Sheffield Shield title and uh, <laughs> a one-day cup title and all sorts of things. But uh, I know it'll be a, a long journey here at, uh, at Cricket Victoria. Good luck with it all. And four test batters and bowlers, please. That's exactly <laughs> thank right. You. That's exactly right. And thank you for being the co-host today. No worries. First good good luck the on the weekend yeah, too. To good thank luck. You. Go Cheers. well. All right, that's, uh, that's it from us for the first edition of the Vic State Cricket Podcast. We'll catch you again soon.